Luke chapter number one. Over a year ago now, we began a series of lessons starting in this passage. And what we've done is walk through our doctrinal statement here at the Bible Baptist Church. That is what we believe from the Bible as a congregation. And our purpose has been to show, to prove, to demonstrate that We get our beliefs from the Word of God. These are not the traditions of men. These are not the opinions of pastors and deacons. We want to believe what the Bible teaches. We want to do what the Bible says. And so the things that we believe, we believe for a reason because they're found in the Scripture. And the point of this series of lessons has been to challenge you to determine in your own heart and mind what you personally believe, and to show you that the reason we believe what we believe is because it's in the Bible, and and hopefully you believe the Bible, and so if it's in the Bible, that's what you believe as well. But um, Luke chapter number one, we're just going to kind of go back to where we started and and wrap up this series of lessons this morning. I didn't want to move into a new series with the limited time that we have together. So in Luke chapter number one, verse one, for as much, this is, this is the introduction to the epistle, or I'm sorry, the gospel record, the account of the life and ministry and person of Jesus Christ that was authored by Luke. And he introduces it by saying this, for as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things, which are, here's our phrase, most surely believed among us. Even as they deliver them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. So in verse number one, there, there were some things that were most surely believed among the early Christians. There were some beliefs that were held by the followers of Jesus Christ. And it was, it was these beliefs that bound them together in unity. And those things were instructed to Theophilus. Theophilus was instructed in those truths, but this epistle or this gospel record was given to Theophilus by Luke for the purpose of making sure that he was certain about what he was instructed in that all of the Christians believed. And so it is important to not only be instructed in the foundational truths of Christianity, but to make up your mind and your heart and be sure that you are certain about those things. Carry that same thought into 2 Timothy chapter number 3 with me. You can follow along on the back of your bulletin. It'll lay out the passages in order and a few notes for you to fill in. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 13. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 13. The Bible says, But evil men and seducers shall act worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, but you don't have to do that. You don't have to be part of that. You don't have to be swept up in the great apostasy of the last days. You don't have to fall away just because others fall away, verse 14, but continue thou. It's a personal choice and a personal decision. What are you going to do with the truth that you've been given? But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, 
and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Where did he learn them? Verse 15, that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures. So Timothy is taught the word of God. And Timothy is challenged to make sure that he's really sure about what he's been taught from the word of God. Across the page in 2 Timothy 2.15, the Bible says, Study to show thyself approved unto God. This is a matter of personal responsibility. This is not the preacher studying and telling you what the Bible says. He does that and praise God, ours does it well. But you have a personal responsibility to get into the Bible for yourself and find out what it says because on Judgment Day, it's not going to be you and your preacher standing before God. It's not going to be you and your mom standing before the Lord. It's, it's going to be you, not going to be surrounded by your friends, not going to be surrounded by your culture, not going to be, you're going to have, it's going to be you and God. And so you need to study to show yourself approved unto him, workmen that need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So from these passages, a few notes to fill in. You need to know and be assured of what you believe. You need to know, you could say, and be certain of what you believe. It, it, it can't just be some nebulous idea. It can't just be your parents' faith. It can't just be what my preacher said. There is going to come a time in your life when all of that will be horribly insufficient. And if you haven't made up your own mind, you're going to find yourself in a dangerous situation. Two reasons why you need to know and be assured of what you believe. Number one, because your beliefs are going to be challenged. Your beliefs are going to be challenged. This could take place in a number of different ways. It could take place in a classroom setting. It might be high school. It might be college. You, you might find yourself among a group of students with a professor who is respected because of his education and his position challenging you on the things that you've always known to be true from the Bible, that God created the heaven and the earth, that God made male and female. That's controversial these days, crazy enough. You can, you can expect at some time in some way for someone to challenge, to question your beliefs. It might be on your first job and, 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 and you're around people you've never been around before and maybe you're going to try to take a stand for Jesus Christ. Understand, it's not going to be real easy. People aren't just going to say, oh, okay, and agree with you. They've been brought up a different way. They have a different set of beliefs. They have a different set of standards. They have a different set of, right? Culture is always going to push back against Christianity. Your beliefs are going to be challenged. Look, it might be internally at some point in time. You just begin to question or maybe even doubt you're going to have to address that yourself. Your, your beliefs are going to be challenged. And when your beliefs are challenged, you need a lot more than, listen to what mom said. When your beliefs are challenged, you need a lot more than a flashcard from Sunday school when you were six. You better know what the Bible says. You better know what you believe and why you believe it. You better have some 
some hold fast is what the New Testament describes. Number two, because belief determines behavior. Because belief determines behavior. And this is how I want to wrap this up. This we're going to focus on for just a few moments this morning. Come with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We studied this passage together last Sunday night and skipped over these verses. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 13. Remember, Paul is describing to the believers of Thessalonica their manner of entering in, the type of ministry that they conducted, the characteristics of their witness and their testimony in that town when they established that church among those believers. And that description continues really from verses 1 through 12, beginning in verse 11. Ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children, that you would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. Not only did Paul and Silas and Timothy go to Thessalonica and preach the gospel, those who were saved, they instructed them. They challenged them. They helped them understand getting saved is not just about going to heaven. It's about having a different life, a changed life, a God-glorifying Life and they and they comforted and charged the Bible says and exhorted along those lines in verse 13 for this cause also thank we God without ceasing because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us you received it not as the word of men but as it is in truth the word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe a number of important points from this verse first of all when you come to church you need to bring your bible and when you whenever you leave here and go somewhere else and have to find a church you need to find a church where you have to take your bible because it's not about what a man standing behind a pulpit says if he's not telling you what the bible says what he says is insignificant what he says doesn't matter. If it's his opinion, you can just throw it in to the giant pot of everybody else's opinion. You need to find a pastor who preaches you the word of God. You need to be able to be confident when you go to church. You're not going to hear philosophy. You're not going to hear psychology. You're not going to hear opinions. You're going to hear Bible truth from a holy and eternal God. So Paul said, look, when we came, we preached the word of God and you understood when we said something, it wasn't us speaking. We were telling you what God said. So if you have an argument with the preacher and the preacher is preaching the Bible, you need to understand your argument is not with the man behind the pulpit. Your argument is with the God who wrote the book. But these people in Thessalonica, they heard Paul preach, they heard Silas preach, they heard Timothy preach, they recognized that those men's words did not come from their imagination or their heart or their mind. Those words came from God. It was God's word that they preached and they believed it. They believed God's word. And what does the Bible say? It effectually worked in them. And guys, if you will open the Bible and believe it, and if you will open your ears and hear the Bible and believe it, 
And if in your heart you really trust that it is true, this book will change your life. It will have its effectual work in you. It'll change your actions. It'll change your attitudes. It'll change your behaviors. It'll change your vocabulary. It'll change your standards. It'll change your thought life. This book works if you believe it. But only if you believe. Look at Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3, verse number 12. Hebrews 3 and verse number 12, the Bible says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. We don't have time to study the history in Hebrews 3 and 4 and the context this morning, but it's about the children of Israel who were delivered from Egypt's bondage, but Instead of entering the promised land, they spent 40 years wandering around in the wilderness till all of the adults that left Egypt died and their carcasses fell in the wilderness. That's the colorful way that the Old Testament puts it. What was the reason for that? What was their failure attributed to both in the Old Testament and the New Testament? Read verse 12 again. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. What is one word we could use to describe a departure from God? Isaiah 53, 6 comes to mind as a cross-reference. All ye like sheep have gone astray. Ye have turned everyone to his own way. When we go our own way instead of God's way, that is defined by the Bible as it's sin, right? To what is sin attributed In Hebrews chapter 3 and verse number 12, sin is a manifestation of unbelief. Sin is a manifestation of unbelief. Why did they depart from God? They didn't believe him. Why didn't they enter the promised land, a picture, a type of victorious Christian life? Because they didn't believe God the Lord. God had promised, I'm going to give you the land. God had promised, I'm going to drive out the inhabitants. God had promised, I'm going to vanquish your foes. God had promised, I'll take care of the giants. But they got there and the spies went out for 40 days and 40 nights. They surveyed the land and they said, we were in our sight as grasshoppers. They, they got to looking at the circumstances instead of trusting in the promises of God. Because they didn't believe the Lord, they departed from Him. And it'll work the same way in your life. It is great. It is wonderful. It's a blessing that you come to church, you bring your Bible, you hear the preaching. I hope to God you take it home and you read it for yourself. But there is an essential ingredient that must be added in order for it to have its effect. And that is the belief of your own heart. Look at Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 1. These are almost scary verses. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 1. The Bible says, let us therefore fear, so it is a scary verse. 
Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left of us, being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. So, so God had given them, them promises, something they could have. They didn't get it because they didn't believe him. God has made us similar pro- promises. There is a life he wants us to live, but you might come short of it. Verse number two. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached, look at this, did not profit them. It is possible for the word of God, as true as it is and as powerful as it is, to not do you any good at all. The word preached did not profit them. Didn't help them. Didn't didn't affect them whatsoever. Why? Not being Mixed with faith in them that heard it. So let me let me ask you this morning. You hear good preaching. You even from time to time hear a good Sunday school lesson. All right, you hear the word of God. I I hope you open it and read it. But do you believe it in your heart? You really trust that this is true. Do you cling to the promises of God enough to do what it says? Because if you don't, it's very possible for all that preaching and all that reading and all that study and all that memorizing to not do you any good at all. Here's, Here's what I want you to fill out in your outline. Knowledge does not equal belief. Knowledge does not equal belief. Okay? So you can hear the preaching and you can gain facts and information. You can answer all the Bible trivia questions in the youth rally. That's knowledge. But knowing something doesn't mean that you've embraced it. Knowing something doesn't mean that you're basing your life upon it. Knowing something does not mean that it has taken root in your heart and is the foundation by which you live your life. Knowledge does not equal belief. One last passage, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 13. Hebrews chapter 11. In verse 13... This was a youth rally verse, so I'm sure everybody here knows it. Hebrews 11, 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. So, first of all, you need to be persuaded of the promises of God. Some of you have taken speech class. Some of you will take a speech class and you have to give a persuasive speech. You are trying to convince your audience to agree with you. You have a certain position. You present arguments in support of that position. And and the objective is to take your thoughts and make your audience think the same thoughts. And feel the same way about the issue as you do, okay? So to be persuaded, it's it's to be in agreement. It's to accept the reasonable 
arguments that have been presented, and God wants you to be persuaded that his word is true. Now, the flesh provides all kinds of opposition. Culture provides a differing viewpoint, right? TV and movies and music are going are gonna to send you a completely different direction, but you need to make sure you yourself are persuaded. You, you really believe this book is true. You've got to be persuaded of the promises of God. And then, following the example of those in Hebrews 11 who demonstrated faith, you've got to embrace the promises of God. You've got to embrace the promises of God. We know what an embrace is. It's when, when you grab somebody and you hold them close, right? You hold them tight. That, that's, that's an em, embrace, right? And, 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 and I'm clinging to you. I'm not letting you go. It's a great thing. It's a wonderful thing. Wonderful. Okay? You need to embrace the prom- when, when you get married, you need to embrace the promises of God. Stop looking at me like that. You need to embrace the promises of God. Hold to them. Cling to them. Don't let go of them. Bring them close and make them part of your life to be persuaded you really believe it's true to embrace. You're not going to let it go. You're going to base your life upon it. We, we, we've gone for 14, 15 months now, point by point, the deity of Christ, the humanity of Christ, the inspiration of Scripture, the person of the Holy Spirit, all of these doctrinal truths that you need to know, but you also really have to believe for yourself. And the test of whether or not you believe what the Bible says isn't necessarily your score on a test. It's how you live from day to day. And the choices and decisions that you make. So let's believe the Bible and let's let our life be the proof that we do. It effectually works in those that believe. Examine your heart, examine your life this morning. And let's believe God's word. Father, thank you. Uh, Lord, for your truth, thank you uh, for this time that we've had uh, to spend together. And Lord, I pray that you would impress these truths upon our hearts. Bless the rest of our time here together today. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.